Well, so anyone who's listening to this, I am supposed to interview my now good friend, Klaus Eichsmack from Ugly Kid Joe. And uh, technical difficulties, as in me not hitting the record button, moshed that out. And then you were so great enough to do it again today so we could actually Wait, copy. were you high yesterday? You know what? Is I that am, what it was? <laughs> I, am, I am more responsible when I'm high than I am when I'm not, which is... Right, because you're paranoid. Because you get paranoid. So you're like, oh my God, is it recording? Oh my God, did I leave the thing? Oh my... <laughs> Paranoia. That's why I quit smoking pot. I, I started... I just did it, whatever. I was a teenager and I started yeah. smoking weed and uh-huh. I would get super paranoid that I just, yeah. I, I stopped. <laughs> I was like riding around my bike and like, Oh no, everybody knows I'm high. Everybody. Oh my God. They're following me. Like I started getting that like, like in good fellas, you know, that's, is it good fellas? <laughs> that was me as a teenager on a bike, I'm like the helicopter. That's for me. <laughs> they know I smoke weed. <laughs> they know I have a butt in my pocket. Anyway. Yeah, the paranoia. I was actually going to ask you this yesterday when I was talking. This is because, you know, like I didn't start smoking weed until like I was like maybe 19, 20. When I did, though, so many things just like made a little more sense from my pat from my youth than like, you know, like entertainment. And like so like all of a sudden, like, you know, you know, scatterbrain was a little more relatable. You know, uh, and and Ugly Kid Joe was that that much more funny, and like, wow, and yeah. Then, you know, we have that. We have uh, we have drugs and alcohol to thank for our success, is what you're saying. Probably, uh, but probably same, somewhat, yeah. <laughs> but but here's what I figured out though, is that pot makes things amplified. So if it's mm-hmm. good, like to me, uh-huh. it's like, oh my god, this sounds this is the best right now. But then like if I hear something that I normally hate, I'm like. And hysterical laughter going, this is so fucking terrible. Oh, I see. So you better, yeah, you better be on the right side of that fine line of, you know, like and dislike. Because it's like, yeah, it's like really bad or really good. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of bands that I didn't like, um, a friend of mine asked me to ask you when I told him I was interviewing you. He said, did they, did he, did they ever meet Pretty Boy Floyd and like rub it in their face and say their name and like. No, yeah. Okay, well, there, there's another story. Uh, we were doing, obviously, we, we you know, everything about you became a hit. And of course, in the interviews, like I told you yesterday, my, not that it's not my least favorite question, but it's the oldest question that I've answered 80 million times. And to me, the story is so freaking boring. How did you get your name? So I was getting that question a lot, every time. Uh-huh. So the name, it was out, Pretty Boy Floyd, their name was like all over in print. All over and, LA, right? Hollywood? Yeah, like, yeah I mean, just, just, well, yeah, I mean, worldwide because we were doing interviews everywhere and that's how we did they asked that would be like the third question yeah and that would the pretty boy floyd the name would come up so we're in the studio this is after the every night you we did a tour we came home we started recording we get a call in at at devonshire again um hey there's a call for somebody from uh i forget i think they may have said a guy from pretty boy floyd's on the phone wants to talk to any of you guys in the band like a runner came in and said, Hey, there's, you know, they called the front desk at the studio. And at first we were like, Oh shit. And I was like, and I was the guy I was happened to be standing there. I was sitting there. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go talk to him. So I said, hi. And the first thing he said, Hey man, I'm so-and-so and from pretty much Floyd. I just want to thank you guys for giving us so much free press because <laughs> like everybody knows our name now and it's all because of you guys. And I'm like, Oh, well you're welcome. <laughs> and it was like, thanks bro. And, and it was super nice. And that was it. So yeah, because I you know first I was like oh no he's gonna be, is he pissed, but it was the exact opposite. 
there's a good lesson there's a good lesson in like being positive because you're like paranoid like oh this guy's gonna be pissed like gonna want to kick my ass you know for that we made a joke of the name or whatever and it's like the exact i mean couldn't have been more opposite of a phone call it was a thank you (laughs) you know appreciation but as it should because it's like you said like it's so funny because you basically gave those guys like worldwide press because people trust you guys so much for that band name but and i don't know how how you were as a young person or even now as a music listener is that Mm -hmm. You know, like it kind of goes with that OCD, that whole neurodivergent thing we were bonding yes, about yes. yesterday. Is yeah. that I was like, you know, like when I hear something from a band that I like, like I want to know every, like I want the bootlegs, I want the previous mm-hmm. band projects, I want mm-hmm. everything. So if I'm he- listening or reading yeah. an interview and I hear someone <laughs> mention a band that I have no idea, the first thing I'm doing is I'm writing the band name down and I'm heading yeah. out to go listen to it so i can't even imagine how many people must have done something similar where they were yeah, just like yeah. who the fuck is pretty boy floyd you know was a originally pretty boy floyd's a gangster i think they yeah, got their yeah. name from the gangster like yeah, a, a chicago yeah. chicago mafia guy he was like a chicago like pool hustler or something or something like, like that, that. Yeah, yeah you're right maybe yeah. of, yes something so you know opposite from what they were <laughs> it was ironic you know but had a good but, ring I mean, to it actually i mean I, I i argued it's a better name than ugly kid joe pretty boy floyd that's a good that's a got a good flow i always thought like with ugly kid joe and like pretty boy floyd, you tried hard not to read into a name to me pretty boy floyd looked like what their name was and ugly kid mm-hmm. joe looked like what your yeah. <laughs> name was yeah yeah no yeah that's yeah I, it's well put really true. i mean not that not that you guys are like ugly but well no like, but like if like you if you do look at the picture of us been, versus the picture of them you would go okay that makes sense that was kind of obviously the joke you know we were like we're kind of the, we were looking at a picture of them and they're really glam and really shiny and really hairspray and everything and they look great uh but we were like like i was t- telling yesterday about wearing the boots the one the first show i was like i'll never wear boots again i'm always going to wear tennis shoes or sneakers or vans on stage because th- that was so freaking uncomfortable and so yeah listen for this way we looked at their picture and they looked uncomfortable they looked like they put a lot of work into their look and we were like, wow, that's a lot of, which I respect that bands that, you know, right. like Slipknot, my God, what a, what a kiss. I mean, what, what a, what a commitment. I mean, just to get ready for a show takes you an hour just to put on the, let alone not even warming up your hands yet. You got to get through all the, the and, and then sweating in that leather and all that, like on stage under those lights, especially in the old days when the lights were, you know, the incandescent or whatever, like oh, the yeah. stages were freaking hot in the, you know, I mean, they still are some of the smaller ones, but a lot of the light, new lights are better. But I remember playing, you know, 100 degrees on stage when it's up under those lights. And I can't imagine with makeup and hairspray and leather on leather on leather, <laughs> leather socks, leather boots, <laughs> leather underwear, leather. Yeah, leather, just leather, 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 like no breathing. <laughs> it's like a wetsuit, wetsuit of leather. That sounds like a great album title, wetsuit of leather. Yeah, or or leather wetsuit. That's a band. Surf metal. <laughs> this would be a surf metal band. <laughs> Bikes in the in the wetsuit. <laughs> I'm feeling side project here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. Like a like a Rob Halford priest looking wetsuit. <laughs> be dope. You don't want to see this in a wetsuit, dude. Seriously, no. it barely looks good in cotton. I can't even imagine what it would look like in a wetsuit, dude. Like, <laughs> look like a stuffed sausage, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 
Oh man, wetsuits <laughs> are a pain in the fucking ass. It's the hardest part about surfing is putting on a wetsuit. Do you get a lot? Do you do a lot of surfing out there? Not a lot, but I do, and it's that's the that's the hardest part. Halfway through putting on a wetsuit, I'm like, God, I'm so fucking tired. I, I don't want to surf anymore. <laughs> you're like all sweated, and you're like, okay, there's my workout. I'm in the sun. You're putting the wetsuit on on the side of your car, and you know you're holding up the towel. It's just, and then when you're done, you're so tired that you can't even take it off. You're like. I have no muscles left. You're just noodle armed. <laughs> we were talking about yesterday was that the first time you guys came to Atlanta. Which, mm-hmm. And when I saw you guys with the war babies that night, like it was one of the most, and I'm not trying to blow smoke here or anything, but like, it was such an amazing show for me that it stuck with me. Like all these years, a good friend of mine who's a deadhead told me one time said, if you can, if you can remember details of a ba- of a show and remember like what song a band opened with or whatever without looking at the set list like you know that that show made an impact that night you guys opened with neighbor and went right into um whiplash liquor oh no shit okay just like it was two nights ago did you guys have that kind of foresight at the time knowing that you guys were putting on shows that were gonna stick with people for that long um no, <laughs> we did want to bring energy. That was one thing I think we always wanted to do. We wanted to have fun. We wanted to bring energy. We didn't want it to be like a a deep, dark show. We always looked mm-hmm. at it being more of like a a, a party, you know, and mm-hmm. fun. And that's, you know, that we grew up with that kind of music, you know? Yeah, I guess. So in, in that sense, I think we didn't think about it staying with people. We thought more of like, we want people to come and just like, kind of blow off steam and get rowdy and because that's what we used to do i mean we used to go we saw fishbone once and and knocked my front tooth out you know got kicked out um i had a bottle broken in my head at a dio concert like you know things but it's kind of like a party scar it's almost like a like i had you know the stitches from the bottle like we were trying to figure out what i think it was a jack daniel i bet it was jack daniels man yeah high five you know like it was just got my my sister went to concert she bruised up her whole like like right above her chest like because the bar was right there and she was just this teenager getting smashed against the front bar she went to the us festival in 83 the- I, had, I had a bruise right across here from getting slammed into the barrier of a ramones show yeah and it sucks but at the same time it's part of the thing and we wanted our shows to have a little bit of that what we really kind of enjoyed you know like we weren't a thrash metal band but we would get mosh pits sometimes especially in the breakdown in in, in or the not the breakdown the break up i guess of goddamn devil you know that fast part and all of a sudden we were like yeah we got a mosh pit you know we were so excited and we saw the people flailing around and you know <laughs> some people are like oh god but uh yeah so i think that's the only thing we just wanted to be real, like an energetic fun lively situation that you know of what we are oh, the chili peppers was probably our one of our biggest live influences mm-hmm. uh, we we were more into metal but when we the chili peppers a lot of our friends were into them and they kind of dragged us to one of their shows and both Whit and I were just blown away by their freaking energy on stage. I mean, it was the one of the best shows I'd ever seen to this day. And that band and Fishbone, like that, that those bands in that style were just this very Los Angeles, like super like sweaty, wild, dirty, messy right. shows. And I think that's what we kind of wanted to emulate a little bit, you know? Um, so yeah whether people whether it stuck with people i don't know but that's all we really thought about was like we want to be kind of like them and have it to be this super fun wild night type of thing all of the ugly kid joe shows i ever saw 
or is so ingrained in my head because not only, I mean, I was like a mega fan, which I still am. Like my, I actually get made fun of sometimes because my friends like really dude, like ugly kid Joe, seriously. I'm like, what do you do? They fucking rule me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've heard it. <laughs> when I think back to those shows, like it was some of the most funny shit you guys played at the Roxy. I think I told you with collision mm-hmm. and it was a sold out show. And you guys came out, you opened up with Madman, and there was a guy that sat next to me and my friend and my brother, and he just sat here like this the whole night, like like during collision or whatever. And then you guys came on and opened up with, you know, like I said, like Madman. And he's and we're we're just looking at him, and all of a sudden he just stands up and he looks over the railing and he just jumped off the balcony. Holy shit. And they all caught him. And we were like, holy fuck. <laughs> Like, I could still see that very vividly, you know? You know, to see that kind of mayhem from the stage, that's mm-hmm. got to be like a fucking, like, like jolt for you, right? When you look out and you see that kind of just craziness. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've had some pretty fucking crazy fans over the years. There's no doubt. Uh, we've seen shit where, like, damn, that was crazy. I bet at those Euro festivals is even crazier, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty wild. And and going back to, like, the Chili Peppers, it's like, oh, our crowds are kind of like the crowds that, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. people are here to really get get nuts, you know, straight up, like, get crazy. And, and that, I think that was what we loved as kids, and that's what we loved as a band to see, you know. I mean, not so much anymore, but we're a bit older now, but... Some of the crowds, but still, you know, you still, you still get it, you know, you still, we, it still pumps us up to play and feels good to sweat, you know, playing music. As an impressionable teenager who was in a punk metal band called Gutter Slut. Nice. <laughs> it was because of you and Wit on stage in Atlanta that, that my singer and I practiced catching each other's loogies. All right, there we go. <laughs> we didn't have it down. We didn't. It didn't last long because we didn't really get it. Can we can we say that we're the only band that ever did that? Have you ever seen another band do that? You know what, dude? I've seen I've seen people spit at the audience. I've seen people like spit at a band. I've never seen someone spit to a band member. Right. We okay. I'm gonna say we got again. We got. I didn't see it, but my sister saw the Chili Peppers after I saw them. She told me that Anthony Kiedis spit straight up and caught it himself. Uh-huh. And I remember hearing that going, oh, my God, that's fucking rad. How could we one up that? And I told Wit, dude, I got it. And we did it. And we started doing it a lot. And um, it, it was pretty fucking disgusting to think about, like, that we were used to. We tell, you know, we've had new, you know, since the we've whatever reunited and we've had a few different rotating bands members. And, and right. like at least one or two band members have said to me, did you actually do that? I'm like, yeah. And he's all, oh, man, that's gross. I would never do that. And I'm like, I, we haven't done it in a long time. But one of these days, that's going back to the kind of like kind of a little bit of this reckless. I don't give a shit. Let's just do it. It's like like doing it in the name of rock, you know? Oh, isn't that a Molly Crew song? In the name of rock. <laughs> and it's like, it totally like is. Yeah. just to fucking just just to get a rock, just to make people go, damn, that was fucked up. Or oh, that was rad, you know, like anything to kind of because we would do that. And we started doing it like I think the Def Leppard tour where, you know, these big arenas like twenty thousand, and a, dr- a drummer would do a drum roll and the light guy kind of started figuring it out like he would follow the loogie in the air with the spotlight and you'd see it glistening and boom, and the drummer would you know mark would go right when it goes in the mouth and you'd hear the crowd literally like i, I we had some videos of where you hear this oh that kind of like, <laughs> yay but ew and oh and it was like 
<laughs> and I remember the guys at Def Leppard were like, oh man, that's gross. Like it, we would just gross people out and we loved that. Honestly, now that I think about it, like that was part of what this band wanted to do was a little bit like maybe wig people out a little bit, like things like that, you know, a song about a madman at Disneyland. Like, I don't know how good that would come out now with, with all this horrible violence, you know, and right. shootings, but I mean, the intro to that song, what the fuck were you thinking? And we didn't even think about it. You know, we were just like, we're not, well, obviously, it's, obviously it's never, we've never done that. It's just music. It's just like, like I said, we were super big NWA fans and we thought, right. wow, they're really pushing the envelope. We want to push it a little too. Now we don't push it nearly that bad, but, or that hard or whatever you want to say. But I mean, for, you know, bunch of dudes from the suburbs that, you know, that was our way of being crazy, you know, catching a looger in there and, writing a song about a dude that goes crazy in Disneyland and kidnaps kids, you know, whatever. But it, yeah, part of it wasn't, it wasn't, again, we, we weren't going out there to do political stuff or to, um, you know, to, to like tell people, you know, what's right or what's wrong. It was more like, let's just get crazy. Let's do some stuff that freaks people out or, and let's hopefully have a good time. And, and, you know, all of it, all of it was a good fun, but it was also like the energy the the get it out, like get it out, you know, have fun, get it out and, you know, play some heavy riffs that's always a good way to get shit out man looking back on also you know of course as we get older you know you look back on anything that you love music art movies whatever and i don't know if you do this too but sometimes i find myself overanalyzing shit you know oh, totally I mean? yeah 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 and like i remember thinking about like ugly kid joe and like scatterbrain and even bands like you know punk bands like no effects bands like that there was like always like a like a tongue-in-cheek approach to the performance but at the same mm -hmm. time it was actually really kind of brilliant because it was almost kind of like a spoof or a caricature of the bands who were trying to be so overly serious mm -hmm. that they couldn't loosen up. But then at the right. same time, you guys were like goofy and crazy. But then you also had songs like Busy Bee and mm -hmm. you know, songs that actually had some some substance and some formula to it. There's different kinds of music I like. Like some shows I want to go and I want to sit down and I want to be played to. I want to listen to music. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. An evening with. Right. And then other shows, like I want to be fucking entertained, man. Like I want to be, I want to have my face melted off. I want to be rocked out. I want to feel like I'm 17 again and then wake up the next morning and feel 80, you know? So like. Yeah, and you want to be worth it. But with that being said, do you find it harder as we've gotten older? to match that energy that you guys used to put out from what I've seen, you guys still put it out there. Well, Witt's probably the most energetic person I've ever met just about. Uh, he's just that guy. It's, it's awesome. And not just on stage, I think just in, in life, you know, and it's great. He's a great, he's like the locomotive of this band. And he's always like, like I said, he it was his idea of the record. He's like, I think we can do it. Let's do the record. You know, we're like, Oh no, we do. I only have a couple songs. Like, no, no, we can do it. We're great. We're, we're, we'll do this. And then, so he's always had been had that energy. He's always brought. He, he loves to, I, I want to say, grab the bull by the horns, but with life, like life's the bull, and he's like, let's just fucking ride this thing, you know, <laughs> even if it's dangerous or even if it's crazy. And uh, but I think you know, yeah, of course we now in our fifties we can't. Um, one thing I can't do is bang my head like I used to. I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's healthy, man. There's like some. I've been I've read some gnarly stories about you know headbangers that had some serious medical complications because of that you see tom araya from tom Araya from slayer had to have a steel rod 
put up his back. Yeah, and I heard I heard him and Phil and Selma had some back issues, and these are like the and I was like, oh God, no, I'm not. When we re reunited, I was like, I'm not banging my head anymore because I looked at some old footage of us and we were freaking banging the fuck out of our heads, like we were really into it, and then we just did it. And um, now looking back, I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. No, <laughs> I'm not doing that. But uh, yeah, so not as energetic as used to be, and not as what's the word? Not as um limber. Yeah, not as limber, not as energetic, um, but I think we're, at, you know, surprisingly, and, you know, you still get a lot of adrenaline rush from getting on stage that, you know, I've, I've played shows, you know, hungover or sick or whatever, and it just goes away for that hour and 15 minutes. And it's just, it's amazing what the brain, how incredible the human brain is that, you know, our survival instinct, that your body your brain will make a whatever adrenaline and opiates or whatever it does it kills the pain and it gives you energy to get through it to survive right and that's what a show is like you, you're like you're, you've got this like horrible cold or whatever and you feel like crap all day and somehow you know you're warming up and all of a sudden the lights go out and you hear that noise of the crowd going yay the band's coming and it just it just boom and you're like whoa and all of a sudden you're not you're not sick at all anymore you know right and you don't you don't even think about it until the show's over and then you're like oh my god i'm tired like you just sit down like whoa i'm so freaking tired so yeah i mean we still get a ton of uh, adrenaline from the crowd and from the the act of playing and even in rehearsal we have you know we, like we haven't played a show in probably i'm gonna say what was it last fall or something and yeah i guess last october november so it's been a you know few months and you're going to start rehearsing in a week. And it's just that, you know, you're kind of setting up your gear and you, when you first start, you know, cause I've, I've practiced usually with headphones, you right. know, through, through a, whatever rig, I don't really have an amp set up to crank right. in my shed. <laughs> my neighbors would be like, what a dick. <laughs> Cranking a Marshall, Marshall stack in a metal shed. Yeah. So last year was like, was it 30 years? right? Since America's Least Wanted came out? 92. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. In the fall of 92. I think it was September or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Which blows my mind because mm -hmm. anything that any band that my dad said, they won't be around for another five years who were like mm -hmm. celebrating 30, and 30 years of an album that still sounds mm -hmm. incredible. It seemed to be this big thing with a lot of bands doing anniversary shows. Dude, it's gotta be a it's gotta be a, a sales pitch because all of a sudden everybody we're doing it and we're like wait what are we doing this you know and then you're like oh and then someone's like yeah it's actually really it's like it's like what you think about it and I didn't even think about it until I thought about it where it's like everything you do in the world like every company that has a, a anniversary they celebrate it Mar oh, yeah. Marshall Marshall I had a, I had a white Marshall which was their I guess their 20 jube 35 i don't know what 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 their jubilee or whatever it was some kind of anniversary right. so they made that year they made them all white and i had one of those yeah and um that's been my first and really only marshall that i actually bought you know with my own money uh -huh. no no that's wrong i did get another marshall hit after that but that was that's the one i mean i that's still still my guitar sound to this day is a 50 watt jcm 800 with the rat distortion box and I, i've i've actually anyway yeah so jubilee you know it, it's kind of just a thing and, and we didn't even think about it, but you know you, you add a little stuff to your artwork and you sell the shirt and you're like okay it's it's a commemorative thing right. um to do it and and then you you know because you're always sitting around going well what are we going to call the tour <laughs> you know if you don't have an album out you got to think of something new so you always say and then one is like well just do it your 25th anniversary tour we're like 
is it 25 years? <laughs> this was a few years ago. We did yeah. that. And I get, and we're like, is it 25? And we're like doing the math. Like, yeah, it's 25 years. Okay. That, that's the tour. Perfect. We'll play all the songs off the record or whatever. We actually didn't. We kind of did. We sort of, we sort of did. We played a, almost every song and then we would do a little bit kind of jokey versions of, or something. And we had a guy come out, do an acoustic version of something. And it was just like, yeah, you'll play that. That's perfect. That's the last song on the record. We're done. <laughs> we did it <laughs> well because i always thought that was super interesting watching bands do stuff like this because in some ways at first when i first started seeing this kind of become a trend it was probably about 10 years ago or so right i was like oh god how lame what a cop out whatever that's what i thought too yeah but there was something really cool about going to see a band do the 25th at the time or 20th anniversary or th of an album played front to back because you are also going to hear songs you never heard live. That's actually a great point because especially if it's the biggest album of that band, which a lot of people owned. So you've heard all these other songs since a lot of people, that was, let's say it was a hit, hit record. And so that is actually interesting because you're like, they never play that song and that song. They're going to actually play it. So that's one thing. Let me ask you this. So what's worse? Because I th thought the same way, doing a farewell tour or an anniversary tour? <laughs> Because let's admit it, that seems to be the two things that all the older bands are doing. It's either they're saying it's never the last tour, by the way. It's always just it's they always say it's the right. They say it's the farewell tour, but it never is. I will take an anniversary show any day. And I think the reason why is because to me, it's about the music right then and there. And, and you're also getting what you're being told. Yeah, it's true. It's a fact. Say Iron Maiden hit the road, said we're going to go on tour and we're going to play every song from somewhere in time in order. Mm. I've only heard like two of those songs live in my lifetime. So I'm like, yeah. sign me up. But then if Iron Maiden was like, we're, 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 you know, this is our farewell. farewell tour. And then seven years later, like they're still saying goodbye. I'm like, really? <laughs> it's like kiss. It's like, I said goodbye <laughs> to you guys in 2000. Like, I yeah. love you. Their farewell tours lasted longer than the front part of their career. Wait, is there is the tour right now still called the farewell tour for oh, kids? It's called the end of the road now. Okay, yeah, yeah, because we played within three years. I mean, obviously, COVID did chop that a lot of those tours in half. So fair enough, because we did play with them back then, and it was their farewell tour or their last end of the road. And then I just saw something where Gene Simmons sat down. There was some health scare, and I'm like, wait, that, I thought that was the tour. <laughs> and then Motley Crue, right? Motley Crue's done a few since their farewell tour, and. I mean, come on, dude, Ozzy, we toured in 92. The tour we did with Ozzy was the No More Tours Tour. That was the name of the freaking tour in 92. That's 31 years ago. <laughs> There's nothing worse than watching a band hang on for too long. <laughs> I've I've seen some of my favorite bands do it, you know, and, and, and I can't disrespect them or I can't like not have respect for them because they they have the drive and they still want to do it but at some point to me i'm like okay the quality of your performance is not going to be very good and do i really want that to be the last thing i see of one of my favorite bands i was thinking that what was so brilliant about kiss and what now bands like slipknot and ghost are going to be able to do is they still look pretty much the same when you're in the audience and you see kiss up there it's those dudes with those crazy outfits and it's like and it's not like they were doing flips in their freaking 10 inch, 20 inch heels anyway. They were just looking rad and being creeps. And now they still do that. I'm like, this is genius. They're like 70. And I'm like, this is a fun show for me because they look insane. Gene was still doing the whole fire thing with blowing fire. I'm like, 
you could probably do that. You could do that in your seventies. You just, you know, and like, that's so brilliant. And Slipknot, I mean, they're actually pretty gnarly live. The, 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 the percussion section, I've only seen them once, no, a couple of times. And what a pretty rad live band. And like, you're like, they could just hire other people to do it. <laughs> they could hire young dudes <laughs> just have the singer. Cause no one knows. It's brilliant. I actually, I actually either read somewhere or heard somewhere where it was either Paul Stanley or Gene Simmons had talked about the possibility of mm. franchising Kiss. Right, right. And I was having like, other, like the day, yeah. kind of like how they do like Cirque du Soleil, you know, like yeah, yeah exactly, like, yeah, yeah. They'd be like, yeah. you know, they'd be like yeah. Asia Kiss, and they'd be like Canadian Kiss, and which would be a lot friendlier than everybody. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, who would go see that? And I was just like, probably would. Like, yeah, especially if it was something, if especially it was like Chinese Kiss and they actually sang all the songs in Chinese, that would be dude, rad. Sign me up right now. I would go so fast <laughs> if I could. I want to make a t shirt, Chinese Kiss. Chinese <laughs> Kiss. And then like have it like do the Kiss logo and like Chinese symbols. I don't even know how it would work, but have you seen the one? Have you seen the shirt that's got um, Mike Tyson on it and it says Kiss? No. <laughs> K-I-T-H says Kith. Is he is he gonna have Gene Simmons' eyes? He does. Yeah, He's yeah. got the Gene Simmons makeup over his yeah. eyes. <laughs> yeah. Making shirts is is a blast because he just sit around and just just get as idiotic and stupid as he possibly can. And uh, you know, like this shirt, I'm looking in the mirror with my Aussie shirt. I'm like, oh wait, this looks like it's just I flipped it around. I'm like, oh my god, I just changed a couple of things and it says Lizzo. <laughs> it's just that's the sitting around. Yeah, I'm going to have a picture of this obviously posted to go along with the audio interview, though. But you have been wearing these kinds of shirts for years. You told me now you're making them. So yeah, what kind of got that ball rolling for you? OK, that? the first one I did was the ABBA ACDC one. It was I, I, I grew up. <clears throat> I would argue that two of my most influential musical entities would be ACDC and ABBA because when I was a kid, I lived in Germany for a couple of years and ABBA was massive in Europe. Right. And it was literally the time Kiss was really big in the US. ABBA was the biggest pop band in, the, in Europe and, you know, arguably the biggest pop band of all time in a lot of ways. Band. Um, so when I got into rock, ACDC was one of the first bands I got into. And then one and then remember Wacky Packs, I think they were called. Yes. It, it was a thing. And it was they would take like logos of like. Usually it was a product like Cheerios and they'd make it like sluggos and they'd have a bunch of slugs that, and they kind of do the logo different. And I used to, uh -huh. I love these things. You could, I think you get them with gum and you'd yeah. collect them. They were stickers and they're called wacky packs and they have Voltvo instead of Volvo. And it was like a Volvo that was like a lot electronic and crazy. And they would just mess with logos. And I, it was, that was just like, I'm probably like preteen and I'm totally into this. I think it's the coolest thing in the world, like messing with, a famous logo and messing it all up, making it all fucked up, you know, because right. usually they'd kind of make it like raunchy, like worms coming out of the Cheerios or whatever it would be. Yeah. And so that was kind of embedded in my head. And then, you know, ABBA, ACDC, ABBA, ACDC. And it's like, that's, that would be perfect. Like the opposite. And that was in 1991 or 92. There's a picture somewhere out there of it. The guy, the guy like I knew had a Photoshop. No, he was an artist and he, Holy, we sat there and he did the ABBA ACDC one. And now it's like, I, I, I've i made half of them myself and I have a great artist named Marcus that helps me and he's a badass. And 
So it's just, I mean, literally you sit, I sit there with my brother-in-law and we would just like at sushi, we're having a couple of beers and we had napkins out with pens and we're trying to line up different names of famous metal bass. Usually that's another thing. Do metal, I got so into metal and I realized all my metal, heavy metal were super into logos. Like we are upset. Like you can name a pop band with a logo. They don't have logos. Michael Jackson's have a logo. ABBA kind of did, but not really. Um, you know, it's it. I don't know when it started, but rock and heavy metal obsessed with logos. Like we get really into it, and like to the point where it's like it's weird. Like Miley Cyrus doesn't have a logo, um, Lady Gaga doesn't have a logo, Lizzo no. doesn't have a logo. But no. you know, in my mind, I was just like the Abbey ACDC was the first one where it was like I'm gonna take the popest, most annoying pop band and combine it with the most famous hard rock logo. And so that's kind of how it started. That was like '91, but then I stopped doing it for years, and then. When we started touring again, I had a couple of the shirts that I really wanted. The main ones were Madonna, Metallica, and ACDC ABBA. And I just, like I said, was sitting there with my brother-in-law, like he came up with the Justin Bieber, Judas Priest. So I did that one. And we were like, oh my God, it looks great. And then I just, it was literally like, I, I, you know, I started telling my friends about it and my friends would text me, dude, have you tried blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Like uh, hmm. the kid's dad, I'm a stepdad, and the, their dad, uh -huh. he's an artist too. And he, he went when so he started seeing my shirts. He's like, "Oh, I see what you're doing. You're taking like a total pop band." And and so he he came up with Vanilla Ice Van Halen. So I was like, "Dude, there it is, there it is." And so like you start like it starts to become like a thing you talk about. It's really fun. Like you, like I I, I think three or four of them were made up by other people that were just that. He said I couldn't go to sleep without thinking of all these ones. He started sending me them. Like it's almost like a disease, a sickness. Like you're all when you start doing it, you start. Because when we tour, especially, I, I go to all these backstages clubs and there's stickers of metal bands and there's posters for bands that are playing soon. And a lot oh, of yeah. metal bands still tour a lot in Europe, like Wasp and whoever it may be. And uh, so I'm, I'm all day long, I'm looking at heavy metal logos on tour. So I'm always like, how many letters is that? It's like, it's like, uh, it's like type of autism, you know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you kind of work that kind of stuff out because mm. you know again you and i were kind mm. of bonding over the whole you know neurodivergent thing is that yeah. for me when i get an idea like that like i am so thankful for the fact that there's places like t-chip or like t-public or whatever where you yeah, can yeah. actually design yeah, a t-shirt and just put it out on the internet and if someone yeah. gets it you get like three bucks it. and you yeah. just forget but you know, like I did one a couple of months ago that was a death metal logo and it says yeah. unreadable logo band. Oh, that's perfect. Like, you know, like, so. You know, the Chinese, ah, you dick. <laughs> you can take that one too if you want. Yeah. But like, I and like I, I, I had one that had a picture of um, Nickelback and I had the Megadeth logo on it. And, uh -huh. You know, like just shit like that. I think a lot of punk rock bands were doing stuff similar to that. Like, oh, the skate art too. Because when we, when I moved to Santa Barbara where the band started, uh -huh. um, skating is and skate and surf is like a big thing here in, in Santa Barbara and Isla Vista in particular, the college town. And so what a lot of the skate art, in fact, the Moish who sadly passed away a few years ago, he was our artist that did our ugly kid logo. He worked for Santa Cruz skateboards and a, a couple of friends worked for like Palo Peralta and they would do art and they were like these little punk rock skate kids and they were always messing with logos and stuff. So I like, we all kind of like, we're in the same thing. Like we're always figuring out with Ugly Kid Joe, what can we do with Ugly Kid Joe? What would be the most messed up thing? So Velveeta, you know, processed cheese metal. So it all kind of overlaps, like you can see. And then uh -huh. uh, once you get rolling, you start to just, I mean, like I said, I have 
35 of these and ugly kid joe's done like we've done so many now we've done like a lot of really fun ones i mean it's when it when it, when it works when it doesn't work it's lame but when it works you're like oh my god it's so cool because we're like totally fucking with something you know back to like that thing with the chili peppers like we want to get wild but we also want to fuck with shit you know a little bit just a little bit you know it adds to that element of fun one of the first times that, other than you guys that i started to see that was that uh at dead shows you know like in the, yeah in the yeah, yeah, yeah 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 where yeah. people would just like like there were and there were always some great ones you know like there was like a like one of them had like the tommy hill figure logo and it says yeah. jerry crazy finger on it instead uh, and had, you know because yeah. he was missing a finger and i was and the, you know but shit like that i was like there, there's something that goes along with the kind of craziness and wait did you say jerry garcia is missing a finger he was missing uh he was missing this finger on his pick hand no shit yeah yeah holy yeah. shit i didn't so know whenever that he, whenever he played yeah. it always like looked like that yeah, yeah. holy crap well that, yeah lucky it's that hand right that makes total sense you don't need that well, finger it's seriously like how unlucky was iomi he lost it on his right hand and he's left-handed so <laughs> that may be one of the most insane things in the history of rock because because of that his probably style of play which is very bar chordish mm -hmm. he probably was you know necessity is the mother of all invention you know he probably had to kind of slow down and i'm going to play some you know tuned any in it you know the rest is history i mean that's some of the greatest most influential guitar playing in the history of heavy metal and it's a guy who's missing the tips of his fingers that had to put these little weird plastic things and you know let's admit it i mean it probably is influenced how he played which influenced the sound which influenced a shit ton of bands right that accident at that metal shop or whatever it was you know and it's crazy because i saw an interview with him one time and you know, I'm thinking like, here's Tony Iommi, like the most influential yeah. metal guitar player of, of history, probably from yeah. the band who started it off. He still carries around these little silicone tips yeah. in like an yeah. Altoids can. Nice. And he puts them on back. And yeah. he, he, I wanted to say he had said something one time about how like, you know, people had, you know, said like, why don't you get like a prosthetic or yeah, yeah, like, like a permanent or, thing or like whatever. And he was huh? just like, because I was a broke Man. kid in England. You yeah, didn't even yeah. think of that. It was like, okay, yeah. what can I do yeah. that will actually let me play the guitar? And another thing I also learned was that light gauge strings were not a thing before Sabbath. Okay. And okay. they became a thing because he needed a lighter gauge of strings. Wow. And I forgot what string company it was, but they yeah. actually made a lighter gauge of strings just for him so that he could tune down and had that the 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 lack of uh tension you know like you could tune it down and not have to press as hard right okay yeah isn't that see well that like i said necessity you know he i mean that and it also kind of is really cool because you, it that shows how dedicated he was to becoming a guitar player you know or being oh, yeah. like, he could have just given up i lost my fingers i i guess i'll get into tennis whatever you know i mean or, or 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 even a different instrument maybe drums but he's like no i want to play guitar i want to figure this out and that's that's let I me mean, the, the the other insane story is of course death leopard rick allen you know yeah 
You know, remember that whole story? I mean, you know, he loses. Oh, like, when he got tossed out of the car. Again. Yeah. Yeah. And his arm's gone and the band comes to his bedside. And is like, no, we, you know, he's like, don't, don't give up on me guys. You know, I want to yeah. be the drummer. And that to me is just, and they're like, okay, we got your back. And he freaking figured it out. And we toured with them. And it, you know, it was one of the funnest things watching that dude play. Cause it's so unique what he does using his feet all the time. His feet are going. And it's so the sets got all this cool stuff. And then he came on stage when we were doing a sound check. And I didn't know who was playing drums. It was just, we were playing like whatever, or maybe it was an ACDC song or something. And I'm just playing and it, it's like different style. Mark doesn't sound like Mark. Was it Mark? Yeah. And I look back and it's Rick Allen playing a regular set. He still could play on a regular set with one arm. No problem. He was doing, you know, like what was the guy from the stones that would always lift the high hat. Oh, time. Charlie Watts. Yeah. Charlie Watts. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was just, and it was like, it sounded great. Like I'm like, Holy shit. I was like, you can play regular drum set. He's like, Fuck, yeah, I can. <laughs> I'm fucking Rick Allen, bitch. <laughs> That's a shirt, dude. I'm Rick Allen, bitch. I could do that with one hand. I'm Rick Allen, bitch. <laughs> well, so, you know, so, you know, kind of going back to some of the bands that you toured, you know, like you said, like you did the, uh, you know, you did the Def Leppard tour, you did Ozzy, um i i uh, you, you toured with scatterbrain like it seems like you had some really great like experiences as far as yeah. touring did you ever tour with someone that like where you were like yeah this this isn't great obviously not looking to sling mud here or anything but did no, you ever no, have uh, an experience where you were like no this band wasn't as cool as i thought they were gonna be dude i and i'm not even just saying this like to not piss anybody off but no i mean every you know in, in particular you know, there's some bands we probably didn't meet much or didn't hang out with much. It was a little bit of that. So I couldn't even judge. But I'd say every big band that we opened for that was, you know, bands that we grew up with treated us, if not well, extremely well. Right. And I'm not even like that. Not no joke. I mean, you know, in particular, I'm going to say uh, Def Leppard was amazing. I mean, they, they, they I was telling you yesterday, like they were all so young. That when we were on tour with them, they invited us to a birthday. Hey, it's it's um I forget whose guy who what guy's birthday it was, but they're all, yeah, it's his birthday. And I'm like, we're thinking like, oh, what's he like forty? And then we're like, wait, how old is he? He's turning thirty. And I'm like, yeah. you guys have been around for like fifteen years. How is he only thirty years old? Like, and then we realized those guys were all like sixteen, seventeen, and and like I was telling, they they, they all had kind of gone through the thing already. They've they'd gone from, I mean two pretty gnarly tragedies in the band yeah. probably lots of it they've had they've all had their addiction i mean the one guy died right the, yeah. the first guitar player clark and so they've they've they, by the age of 30 they'd already done the whole thing and it was kind of a, and now they're all like they're like the most mature 30 year olds ever you know they're all like we've you know we've gone from bottom to the top and tragedies and we've done our partying we've done all the stupid shit you do um and you know you know they they were already kind of like on that like starting not to drink hard liquor anymore and they right. had this full bar i was going back to how nice they were they had a whole bar set up backstage with mm -hmm. like fancy mixers and like nice yeah. stuff but they're like they're like guys we don't even drink hard liquor anymore so have at it, it. we just <laughs> didn't take it off the rider because for guests like they were like when our wives come out when our friends come out they we, we want them to have a bar backstage like a mm -hmm. nice bar to make cocktails but none of us are drinking so you guys have at it like go knock yourself out after your show you know go party use it drink whatever you want off the at the bar and they everything was always like that with them you know we played soccer with them one time uh -huh. yeah hey you guys what do you play we got to fly on their private plane one time they'd always like 
that was why because we were like we're gonna play soccer game you guys want to come with us we're like how are we gonna get there he's like we got the plane and we're like oh we can go on the plane yeah come on <laughs> you're like went, i can't even play I, soccer I go, oh, yeah. i'm there <laughs> yeah no and i i didn't have any shoes because it was indoor soccer I'm like don't we need like special shoes like yeah let's go to the store we'll buy you some shoes i mean like you know there was like okay yeah this is so fun and so they were just like super nice super cool really easy to get along with and and eddie van halen was their dressing room when we toured with Bon Jovi it was Bon Jovi, Van Halen, Lika Joe, and our dressing room was right next to Van Halen's. Mm-hmm. And Eddie, who is my hero, period, and Dave's too. I mean, that's of just yeah. the end of the story. Would come into our dressing room every day before the show with his guitar, warming up, and hang out for like 10, 15 minutes, ask us how the crowd was. We'd joke around. It became almost to the point where it wasn't even like it's Eddie Van Halen. It's just this dude that lives next door that comes and hangs out. And he was just so down to earth and nice. And um, and that was probably the biggest one because, you know, for me, because, yeah. you know, if, if your hero that made you actually play guitar, him being nice was just so much the icing on the cake of the experience that... You know, and and let alone being able to sit on the side of stage and watch Eddie Van Halen play every night, and him sit on the side of stage and watch us play and uh, give you the thumbs up and shit. Like, right. it was those moments are just like, what the? F- that's Eddie, and he's like, anyway, you know, like. <laughs> but you know, it goes back to that whole. As artists, we like to be validated, and it's not even so much just not even so much from an egotistical thing, but. Mm-hmm we all like to be told or, or we all like to feel that like what we're doing is something good, something digestible to somebody, even if like not a lot of people like, you know, so even hear that from your heroes, you know, because that's a slippery slope. And I've known this in the years I've been doing this and interviewing people is that you're putting a lot at risk when you meet your heroes. You're like, okay, this is going to go one of two ways. They're either going to be really fucking cool or I'm mm. going to be extremely sad and disappointed. Yeah. I mean, you hear those stories and you, you know sometimes you catch someone on a bad day, but I have to say, and, and knock on wood, we've been insanely lucky in that sense that I can honestly say there's not a, there's not a hero that I've met that I haven't liked, you know? And Zach Wild, same thing. He would come onto our bus right before his show and just shoot the shit yeah. for 15, 20 minutes and then see you guys, you know, and just, yeah. you know, just bro down. And, you know, he's right up there with, with Eddie and Randy Rhodes as my favorite guitar players of all time. And that guy, he would, oh my God, that was the No More, no More Tours tour. And it, like yeah. he did a solo, he did like a 10 minute guitar solo, maybe 15. Uh-huh. He would get in full sprint around the arena. Like, He'd run in the whatever the quarter. I don't know how they, they must have security must have said okay make make the aisle and he'd run full shred. He'd play with the guitar over his head like both hands like this, just on top of like the drums riser. Just insane guitar player. I mean, just unbelievable, un- truly unbelievable. And still to this day, we just played with the Black Label like last summer, and it was like there he just oh my god, he's just so good. It's it's, it's almost disturbing. <laughs> it's like so fucking good how is it now like after all these years when you cross paths with some of your old peers like from like the 90s and whatnot that maybe you haven't seen like and you're kind of like oh wait are you still oh you guys are still together and you're like oh wait you guys are still together that's kind of cool you know yeah. like <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we, I've heard, I, we, that joke's been like, like, yeah, look, look at us. We're doing the same thing we were 30 years ago. It was a drummer for, um, oh man, I forgot what, he was in a band before and now he's in, he, I saw him just last summer and I looked at him and I go, dude, I've met you before. We've met. And he's like, yeah. And he kind of was like, I think we have, maybe we played back in the day. And, and he's like, I we used to be in, I forget what band it was. And I'm like, he was a Slash's band. He played drums in Slash's Snake Pit back in 94 and or 95 and i'm like that's it that's it because it was just this weird moment because he's about the same age talking to this dude and you're like i've done this before and it was backstage at an outdoor festival with <laughs> slashes and we're like i go because total deja vu i'm like this i'm having this deja vu and he's like that's because we've actually done this and we figured out like and then he said something like like isn't that funny we're doing the exact same thing <laughs> like we're talking between shows you know and we're like in some foreign country you know and it was like, yeah, so you run into and sometimes you don't even realize it until you realize it. And, um, you know, sometimes people don't even remember you. I mean, I think, uh, no, actually, I think Zach did remember me. He's like, hey, Klaus, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, yeah. So being being that you guys played so much over the years in Europe, like that yeah. seems to be your home base because that seems to be where the audience is really never stopped getting ugly kids what made you guys come back to the states finally after 27 years you know it wasn't like this big purposeful thing that we're boycotting the states <laughs> you know it was just you know to, to put on a tour to play one show this band's we basically all live all over the place mm -hmm. nobody lives in the same town with the other person that's just okay. what this band is and has been for you know 25 years and so for us to get together and play a show we we got to do a tour to make it worthwhile you know they fly people out and it, it costs a lot of money to put a band together and tour so we needed to make money touring to pay for it and the flights and all that so bottom line is we just were getting offers in europe early on when we were reunited 2012 we started getting the offers where we go we can actually do a tour you know we can string together a few weeks of this and actually make money and actually you know it'll you know first few years we weren't making any money but we were getting to do it you know we were rebuilding the brand i guess you could say and in the states it just never worked out that way we never we realized to tour to tour to straight states is 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 really pretty difficult i mean you got to put string together a lot of shows and get paid enough to get a bus or a van or whatever it is and the hotels it's just gnarly and so we just kept going to europe because we kept getting offers and it started and i mean we've had so much great success there i mean it's been really amazing we've played some of the biggest festivals in the world over there the wacken festival in germany eighty thousand, you know with polish woodstock hundreds of thousands literally two hundred and thirty thousand people while we were playing like freaking insane shit and um and we just never really looked back i guess we're just like we'll take whatever offer we can what will work you know can we right. make enough to do a tour and and hopefully then some and so it, it was finally we got this tour this materialized with Fozzie and we played with Fozzie a couple times in Europe I think like at a club in England and he was always super nice and kind of broke down with wit and it was like this it just came up someone just I don't know if it was a booking agent or if wit talked to Fozzie or something I don't know what happened but mm -hmm. it's you know like I said there was no real like let's not play the States because we don't want to. It's more like if we get an opportunity, we'll go and we'll, we'll play anywhere. If we get the opportunity, honestly, right. there's not one place I wouldn't want to play. So it's just the States is huge. And you know, where there was a little bit of like, do people even want us here? You know, like, you know, cause even after the band broke up, 
you know, we still had, or towards the end of the band's career, we were doing a lot better in Europe than we were in the States in terms of right. playing. And so we thought, well, maybe that's just a carryover from our popularity just, just lasted longer and was more in, embedded in, 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 in Europe than it was in the States, you know? And so, and sure enough, when we started touring again, we like, wow, this, the Europe's like, there's some, this has been really amazing. Like we're playing shows. It's like 1994 or 92, right. I should say. We played yeah. Paris in, in 2016, headlined it. Same place we headlined back in 92 or 93. And it was almost the exact same amount of people. Like ticket sales were like maybe a hundred less out of like, you know, it was like, wow, this feels like back in the day. And so that, that we just thought, okay, I guess Europe's going to be our spot and we'll probably never play the States again. And then this tour materialized and we're like, yeah. <laughs> there's no reason we're not doing it we're just it's gotta we you can't you know you can't you can't we don't have the money to just do it for fun that's what i'm saying <laughs> you know <laughs> so how does it make you feel to know that there are some people out there including me who were like yeah. 27 years now i finally get to see ugly kid joe again like you know like is that kind of like surreal to you or like no it's rad well i think you know you 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 i don't really do uh the internet much anymore with facebook and stuff but every now and then i'll go down the rabbit hole and read some comments and you're like oh, there's a lot of people in the states that seem to want to see this band you know and i could be the same 37 people like you and like your buddy that are con commenting all the time <laughs> and you know what i'm saying though like we don't know you don't really know until you get out there so i have i'm not gonna i'm looking forward to it i'm we're not expecting it to be um, we're hoping for the best preparing for the worst but yeah. even the worst will be great because just being able to play and tour and play in some of these cities that we had so many great shows over the years back in the day yeah. is going to be fun and even some of the few venues here and there most venues have changed i've noticed like oh well, that's not the you know but there's every now and then, like oh, i remember that place or that is the place or somebody's like oh that is that place they just changed the name so yeah. it'll, be, it'll be that'll be really fun and, and nostalgic for us to to because i haven't really obviously toward the states since 94 or whatever 95 yeah, right. so i it's been a long time you know i've been to maybe like new orleans and florida since then you know yeah. and reno <laughs> where you guys played at here in atlanta at the masquerade when you in 92 when you guys headlined that tour that the first time i saw you guys yeah, yeah. that venue uh, just changed uh mm -hmm. to a new location about maybe five years ago or so and mm -hmm. i remember before he passed away i was talking to dave brocky from guar and okay. i had interviewed him uh a few times one of the things i remember him telling me he said in the whole time guar was around up to that point he said that the masquerade was the only venue in the country that they had played you know that stayed in the same location same name right. same interior yeah. Like everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's rare. Some venues had stayed the same, but like either they got gutted and made nicer yeah. or whatever. He was like, this place is the same shithole it was in 90. <laughs> I fucking love it. When you use shithole in that in that context, it's a compliment, right? It, oh, it, oh, it totally was. I mean, because the masquerade was like the single shittiest venue. I always feared for my life somewhat because <laughs> the stairs were rickety. Yeah. The, the, the floor would bow. Yes, you were telling me. <laughs> You're like, I'm not getting out there. We're not going through the, yeah. I don't want to end up on the first floor. Making a set list now uh -huh. has to be fucking impossible. Like with all the material you have. It's, it's great. It's such a great problem to have because like I remember telling yesterday that there's a thing where when we did the EP, it was five songs. Okay. And we had, 
you know, we had other songs, obviously, but we hadn't recorded any yet. So when we went on tour, I remember that was the, kind of a joke. People were like, wait, you guys are headlining? How? Don't you only have like five songs? And we're like, well, well, we have like 10, but it's going to be tough. <laughs> like we've got we to do a couple covers and we better start finishing some of these songs we've got half written. But um, now it's like, so there were always, that was early on, that was like a struggle to yeah. put together an hour and 15. And now it's like, we got a solid hour and a half that we have to sometimes pull songs from because yeah. of the time constraints, which is, like I said, it's a great problem to have. And we can actually, you know, we actually add a few extras. And then if someone gives us the, you got three, you got enough for two songs or three, we like, oh, we, have, we just mix whatever's down there and we figure it out. But it's such a great problem to have because we've had shows where we've played for close to, I want to say one show not that long ago, we did almost two hours. We just went full jam session and did like long jam. It was like, we, oh my God. And then, and it was really fun. It was a really great show, you know? So that's the, the rad part. It's like, sometimes you really feel like not stopping and we actually can, we can play, you know, if, if they're like the venue is like, no, you got another 20 minutes, go for it. We can keep going. So yeah, it's really great, you know? So um yeah, it's a great problem to have, and it's it's nothing but you know, uh, you know we don't we don't get all bummed out <laughs> about having too many songs we like playing, you know, because in the old days we'd be like, oh, I don't want to play that song. <laughs> like it's almost literally like, God, let's make another record so we can not play those two or three songs. <laughs> you know, and now it's like, oh, we're good. We've got an easy uh, headliner, no problem. It, actually, the opening sets is a little harder. That is that's when it gets to be a struggle when you have a thirty or forty five minute set. Then it kind of like, you're like, well, what are we going to take out? We're like, oh, I want to take that out. I want to take that out. Each guy's got his own opinion. Like, oh, I love doing that solo. Or I love that part. That part's got the cool crowd thing. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> it's, that, that's when it gets a little hard. It's still, like I said, it's a good problem to have. But um, that that's the only part when it, it gets hard when you have to, like, a really short set. So what what song is that for you? Like, when you, like, when you, like, look at the set list and you see it and you're like, fuck yeah. That's, yeah, I can't wait to play that. Sometimes it's newer stuff because, you know, like that ain't living or, or, or whatever, because in failure we've been playing lately. And I'm like, it's just because it's newer. And it's, and it's, it's at first you're like nervous about it. Cause you're like, I don't know it that well. I haven't played it that much live. You know, we've only tracked it, but, um, but so there's a little bit of that. Um, obviously it's something new, which is nice, but also just a little bit of that challenge. Like, man, I hope I can nail this. Usually with me, it's solos. It's about, oh, can I nail that solo? You know, you, you punch in all day in the, in the studio and then it's time to play it live. And in the old, I mean, yeah, in the old days, it was, yeah, I, I do that a lot now where I just, I'm going to play a solo that I can actually play in one take, you know, at least get it close. You know, I obviously punch in still, but you, um, you know, because once you have to play it live and I, I should have learned this lesson because I read Warren Demartini interview, I think way back in the day from Rat saying man i did this solo and now it's impossible to play live because it's such a jump that it's like impossible so it's like he's like next record i'm not doing that anymore and i fucking read that interview and i did not heed that warning so but now but now i finally figured that out or you know you, you re end up rewriting solos a little bit to kind of make it work live but yeah for me so i like the newer ones and then you know there's always ones like neighbor where you know it's you know it's gonna it's gonna get the crowd going and it's a super fun riff to play because it's relatively easy but it's got that you know, little acdc kind of thing and so it's just that beat like those kind of so i love playing devil's paradise because it's just a got that groove you know and no one survives i love playing that because it's just got that really moody feel to it it's just really fun to a lot of uh, it's a drop d so it's a lot of one finger just jamming around and yeah yeah 
So yeah, I, I kind of go for the ones that I actually, as a guitar player, like, and then second is crowd and kind of the feel, you know? And like Wit has his moment songs that he just loves to sing, you know? So I think each band member is different. And of course, you know, we always put the ones we know the crowd likes in the live set because uh-huh. duh, duh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, look, if you want me to continue to be your friend, man, you're going to yep. have to make sure uh, Funky Fresh Country Club's on the set, man. Funky Fresh. Uh, wait, I love it that my threat to not be friends with you meant so much that you had to write that. <laughs> um, that's actually a really fun one to play because that's a fun I song. Used to, yeah. The uh, hearing that live, I always I just loved it because it, especially when it had that sweet leaf intro. Oh yeah. Kind of led up to you know that just that da, 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 you know it was so. I don't know. It was like, it was like chili peppers meets metal meets suicidal tendencies. You know, it was like, I always thought ugly kid Joe to me sounded like California. Like what I, what I would assume Cali, you know, like not Hollywood. It was very much that kind of sound that I would, that I associated with like running in that kind of pack of artists where it was like, it was versatile. There was punk, there was funk, there was metal. You know, there was elements to everything that you guys liked that you were able to kind of put together. You know, if the Chili Peppers took more from the funk, you guys took more from the metal. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, that's what, you know, totally. Like I I learned how to play guitar because of Eddie and Randy and all the metal bands. And I know, you know, I never really studied like Hillel or or, uh, Frusciani or anything, even though they're both great. Um, you know, the studying part was all metal, but it was more of the the live show of the peppers that made us like go, wow, that's like, that's a whole nother level. Like, that's really cool. You want to be like that, you know? So, but like, yeah, musically, you know, you know, myself and Whit, we grew up together and we both, you know, we were like the teenagers that were like, dude, check out this priest record or dude, check this out. You know, it's like, it was metal all the way. It was like solid late 70s to mid 80s metal is what we you know from the priest the scorpions acdc van halen judas uh ozzy that was like the bread and butter of our i guess you could say our our um, musical education i also have to say i love that with the new album you guys still hung on to the play on words and Mm -hmm. delivered what i still think is probably one of the best album titles of all time with rad wings of destiny so wit came up with that and i was like ooh, because we've been writing down ones right we always i always make a list and and i I loved it right away because i was like oh i know because obviously the priest record but it was a hard sell to other people i guess you could say in our small little group because they were like, no one's going to know who that is. No one's going to know that record because Sad Wings of Destiny is not some big hit record. You know, it's not British Steel. But we're like, so we started putting it and we had a few other names that were maybe take on something more famous. But in the end, I remember telling me like, it, nothing has the ring though of that. That's just got a ring to it, you know? And I think we should, you know, and I, and, 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 and so we stuck with it and it totally won everybody over. And then when we got uh, our artist, um, he's, awesome and it's like you just start spitballing with him like hey we got, you know it's like a plane and this and the next thing you know it's like it all starts to come together right when you get the <laughs> album cover and the title and it all starts to come together and it's a great moment and then everybody was like oh it was meant to be you know that's it's a it's a it's got a great ring and it, it, it it's very california you know like it's literally two two dudes from california that love priest is what the the, the goes back to you know and, and we all love priest but i mean like written myself were 
like Priest was a, a very big bonding band for us. You know, they, that band is the shit. I mean, I think I actually turned Wit on to Priest because my sister turned me on to it. And so that was something me and Whittle, I always had this, this, this whole thing with Judas Priest is, is between Wit and myself. And of course, that's an old classic Priest record that a lot of people don't have. But Wit had it and he knew every word of every song on that motherfucker. <laughs> he can sing the shit out of Rob. What I loved is that even if you didn't know who Priest was, you'd be like, that's a fucking awesome name, <laughs> like Rad Wings of Destiny. Right. It doesn't even have to be a takeoff on another record. It just sounds kind of funny and rad and and rad. Um, and, uh, you know, it, and it, it's it's stuck. It's stuck. We've stuck with that program since the first record. You know, every title had to be. I don't know. That's like the one consistent thing we've done, you know, if that where we just like did not figure out. We've changed the logo a couple of times. We're, we're back to using the green slime. But we always stuck with that and uh I'm, so so literally like we start coming up with album, t- album titles in any history of the band if it's not a takeoff of something we're like now we can't change it now you know we can't just change it now we have to keep going with it but it's done you guys well you had what as ugly as they want to be america's mm-hmm. least wanted motel california menace to sobriety stairway to hell we even parodied our own record with uglier than they used to be that's right <laughs> We parodied ourselves because when our, our artist came up with that and I was like, and we was like, well, what are we going to call the record? I'm like, he's already named it, bro. Cause in the, in the file, he had uh-huh. written uglier than they used to be I'm like, that's it. We're taking our, we're making a joke of ourselves. And Wit's like, Oh my God. And he didn't even realize it at the time. Cause the guy had written it like U T T that, you know, U T T whatever ugly than they used to be. And, and like, I guess the, the, it didn't compute like, oh, that is the, the first, our first EP, but fucked with, you know, like, anyway, yeah, um, obviously that the first EP is when it started with, it was two life crew, as nasty as they want to be. I just love that you guys like have stayed consistent with that over the yeah, years. So, so yeah. do I, like I said, it's like the one true thing we've really been consistent on. What are you the most excited about touring the country after 27 years? Fact of going into an American big city, you know? I don't do that. I go to LA and San Francisco. That's it. Cause I live in California, but to right. go to see some, cause that was one of the really cool, th- oh, this is actually one of the more impressive things about this country is we have some pretty gnarly rad big cities that even yeah. in Europe, you know, th- Europe's amazing and they have these old towns, but they don't have like the skyscrapers and the, all that cool shit. And like, you go to like Houston, you're like, Oh my God, this is a gnarly big city, Atlanta. Like, this is like a, this is like a metropolis, you know? And like kind of excited for that. Cause I haven't been in so long. So I'm sure things have changed. I mean, you know, new buildings and new, even more modern. So I'm kind of excited to see some of these cities that I haven't seen in 30 years, yeah. you know, like St. Louis, Atlanta, and, 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 and Cincinnati and Cleveland, you know, like, like, I don't know, it, it, when I grew up growing up, I used to love obviously watching like Monday Night Football. And you remember the night games, they'd always have the cool aerial blimp shots of the big city and the bridges and whatever city, like Pittsburgh or whatever. And I, I remember right. as a kid being like, oh man, I want to see all these big, amazing American cities, you know? And, and you know, Europe's more like the old Big Ben and like some beat up old church, and but it's rad. Not beat up, but rad, you know? But it's not like, but it's different. It's this modern. So it, we've been so used to that seeing Europe, which I love. I love looking at old churches and stuff, but it's going to be exciting to go to these big, cool American cities. And also I think it's kind of exciting to play for Americans. Uh, that you know the crowd where we know that every night they're probably going to get if if we do make jokes they'll probably get them because they speak english sometimes we're like in germany or like in belgium and it's like says something funny as hell and i'm like people are laughing but i don't know if they 
or maybe they or, or or they took it the wrong way you know like no no we didn't mean it like that yeah <laughs> uh, so yeah it's gonna be fun you know it's 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 uh, our people you know like we're gonna have our rapport with with americans and we're americans so it's gonna be fun and uh we actually have this tour our drummer's british cam and yeah he's fantastic in every respect as a person as a drummer as a singer he's incredible but you know he's never toured the states he's never been to the states he's like 30 he's in his 30s never he's a fan like i said he's played in bands like his whole life and i don't think he's i don't know i know he's never toured the states but uh, he may have never even been here so his eyes lit up when we told him about the story he's like holy crap and it was you know there's there's a lot of shit you got to go through to get the visas and all this shit like right we were even like man maybe we should get an american drummer because this is going to be a nightmare to get him and Wit was like no no we got to take that kid like he's this is like the shit you like remember when we first went to europe like how, what how cool that was or brazil yeah. like you're like i'm getting a passport because i'm going on tour like this <laughs> yeah. you know because I'm, I'm working there i'm playing in a band at a stadium in rio like that 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 sort of like this is legit this is legit man and like my love of this instrument is now taking me around the world and that's that that's really one of the easy if not the biggest perk of being in a rock band is that to get to travel to different places on a you know not as a tour like you're going there to play and see shit and play for the people and you know you actually get paid to do it you know it's like this triple crown of radness like to do that and so so i'm really excited for him to actually experience almost as excited for him as i am for us to because you know for us it's going to be nostalgic and really fun like i said playing for americans finally and for him it's going to be like this mind-blowing experience that i you know i'm not going to win i hope it goes well um and uh you know i think just him you know it's going to be it'll be cool it'll be fun to you know hang out with him and maybe do some sightseeing at a couple places you know whatever see the liberty, liberty bell or uh yeah. i don't know the ark and and St. Louis, I'm just thinking of like all the things you probably as an English person, like you think of the US, you know, all these, these landmarks. It's like us when we first went and saw the Eiffel Tower, we were like, oh my God, there it is. You know, there's that moment. I went to London for the first time with my wife before the pandemic. That was the first time I'd ever left the country. And I was, everything you just kind of like, go, oh, what's the big deal about that? You know, you see it in person, yeah. you're like, holy shit, I'm like standing right in front of Buckingham Palace. Like, how fucking badass is this? You know what I mean? And it's weird. It's three-dimensional. You're like, there it is. I'm not looking at it on a screen. It's like, holy crap, I can touch it. It's right there. Fucking guards walking around with the furry hats and shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, are those dudes real? They are. They're actually humans. Don't they act weird? The, yeah. the guards, they're like, they just act so, like, at first, I remember I didn't know if they were real the first time I saw them. They don't move, right? They are yeah. trained like yeah. as part of their like military training yeah. is to like not move. But if you come within like a certain measure of them or of the palace, they're allowed to break out and just go ape shit on you, you know, <laughs> shit, and yeah. like go on YouTube and look up, you know, people pissing off Royal Guards. Like, yeah. and there's just like <laughs> videos of Royal Guards, like pushing people and telling them to get the fuck out of the it's like right up there for me with trucks not clearing bridges you know like <laughs> I, I always wonder about those those runaway truck things if there's footage of that oh the runaway you truck ramps. yeah those are i've never seen i i've never even seen a truck in one so i'm always like man that must be insane looking because uh, at the uh, end I, mean, I guess it's like all this it's sand or something it's like a hill of sand like and you're driving you're like i want to try it i want to try it <laughs> yeah do they yeah do they flip over and 
how do they test those things? Like how many how many Botham spies were killed testing those? Your references are sick, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then with the new album, like it's incredible. Like I had so much fun listening to it. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Still sounds like Ugly Kid Joe. Mm-hmm. You guys dipped heavier into your ACDC influence, which has mm-hmm. always been present, but as opposed to it sounding old, like it's still, it sounded very fresh in a time where there's a lot of younger bands coming out now, mm-hmm. emulating older bands. So right, to right. me, it's like you guys were emulating yourselves, like magnified with your ACDC <laughs> influence. Like, is that kind of fair to say, you think, or? Look, we we even called it the ACDC song when we first started working on it. You know, we're like, it's ACDC, man. You've heard of Airborne, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And they're fucking awesome. They're fucking awesome, dude. I mean, just a, a band like ACDC, if you're a rock band, at some point you're going to either cover an ACDC song or you're going to have a song that sounds like ACDC because <laughs> they're the raddest thing that ever happened <laughs> in music. I mean, that, that ACDC is... is God, I mean, from from everything, you know, just and it's such a simple approach and it's just a simple formula, but it's so freaking awesome. Um, I couldn't even say enough about ACDC to where um, anybody, if anybody says, yeah, it sounds like it's kind of like easy. Like, yeah, they're not just my favorite band. They're just my one of my favorite things of all time. You know, like you just can't even the logo is awesome. You know, you can't deny it. I loved Kingdom Come. You remember, do you remember them? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of as Led Zeppelin sounding. Those first two Kingdom Come albums to me were just like fucking incredible. And and like back then, like they got shit for sounding like Zeppelin. And then, but then like now bands like that are being praised, you know? I mean, like Greta Van Fleet is huge now. They're kind of zeppelin right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and in my mind, I'm going, dude, Kingdom Come did it better than you got. And they got, you're right. They got a lot of shit for it. You know, maybe it was too soon. It was too soon. You know that old saying, too soon, too soon. <laughs> too soon too That's soon. just literally what it was too soon. Just slow down, slow down. Dude, this has been so much fun talking to you, man. As a longtime fan, like I can't tell you how much this was fun for me. It's been fun, man. It, it, it's fun for me too, man. Totally. Dude, I'm glad you enjoyed it. We'll have to do it again before another uh, 27 years. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I hope to see you in Atlanta. <laughs>